Hello, I'm Alan Cozen, and welcome to Things We Said Today, our weekly show about all things Beatles. Beatles history, Beatles current stuff, whatever it is that comes up, we will bat it around. Joined by my regular co-hosts, Ken Michaels, who is the host of the syndicated radio show Every Little Thing. Um, Al Sussman, a longtime contributor and now executive editor of Beatle Fan Magazine. And Steve Marinucci is absent at the moment with computer problems. He has a technician standing at his side, and he may pop in any time. We hope he will. And in case he does, he, of course, to introduce him, is uh, writes the Beatles Examiner column for examiner.com and many other examiner columns to do with various aspects of pop culture. So this week, we're going to start with something we've um, had to do a, a little, little too much lately, um, and that is to recognize the passing of someone in the Beatles world, which is, in this case, of course, Scylla Black, British singer and, uh, I guess, TV personality. She was known more as a TV personality there than here, but um, in fact, we're going to talk a bit about how well she was known here. Um, I think of her as a, you know, maybe not essential part of the Beatles world as such, but certainly part of the Beatles universe, you know, having been the hat check girl at the, or the cloak, cloakroom attendant at the cavern um, when the Beatles were playing there and being taken on by Brian Epstein um, as one of his stable of artists, changed her name from Priscilla White to Scylla Black, um, and then recorded with George Martin as her producer. So she was very much really in that sort of milieu that uh, that we spend lots of time looking at. Um, Ken, do you have uh, you have any thoughts about Scylla's passing or Scylla's career? Well, I actually consider her a very big part of the history of the Beatles because for pe for people who study the songs the Beatles gave away to other mm -hmm. artists, she's one of the the top three of artists who really benefited from the Beatles Association. Mm -hmm. She had three songs in particular, Lennon McCartney songs, mainly written by Paul, that were given mm -hmm. to her, and um, the first single, in fact, was "Love of the Loved." Mm -hmm which didn't really really do that well. And she also had It's For You, which was a, a top 10 right. hit in the UK. And then later, a song called Step Inside Love, which was also a top 10 single for her in the UK, which was used for the theme for her TV right. show, which ran for, uh, I believe, eight years in the mm. UK. Gentlemen. Ah, he's here. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Sorry All about right. that. Right. Well, we welcome back. Yeah, we had a technician show up. Uh, we've been waiting all day for, and he decided to show up at uh, the worst possible time. But in, in any event, it's done, and he's gone, so I'm here. Um, and you were talking about uh, Scylla Black? Yes, we were. Right. Boy, that was... Uh, I have not seen the actual... Somebody was saying it was a heart attack. And I, you probably saw... the. I, I dug up some statements last night. Uh, Julian made one. I have a quote from Billy J. Kramer. Mm -hmm. He put something on his Facebook page. Um, so Frida Kelly did too. Um, I haven't seen her mm -hmm. yet, but uh, Kathy McCabe told me this afternoon that Frida did, and I'm going to go. I'm going to look that up as I'm sitting here, so we can have that too. Um, so what did boy, Billy J. Kramer say? Um, I can read his quotes. I'll get it right in front of me. He said, "I am very saddened to hear about the passing of my old friend Scylla Black. 
I have many fond memories of Scylla and working with her. She was a very nice, fun person and exemplified all the good things in a fine Liverpudlian girl. On several occasions after shows, she would stop by my house on her way home for tea and biscuits. She was such a fun person to be around. I clearly remember when I took her to my mother's home after a show in Manchester, I played her a demo of Little Children. At that time, both Brian and George Martin were very much against me doing that song, but I very much wanted to do the song, and Scylla was very supportive and encouraging. She will be missed. A lot of people felt that way about her. You know, that's the way she's often described. Um, she seems to have been a, a a very nice person. I mean, you know, you you see, I've seen some documentaries about her over the years, and uh, yeah. Did we have other quotes? The, the Paula, statement Paula from Frieda. The, mm-hmm. the sta- statement from Frieda isn't up yet. Um, so okay. there are the quotes from Paul and from right. Ringo. Mm-hmm. Chad and Jeremy also put up a quote about that about uh, how how much they uh, were saddened uh, by her passing. Also, um, go ahead, Ken. Uh, the one from Paul uh, reads. Such a shock to hear about Scylla's passing. She was a lovely girl who infected everyone with her great spirit. From first meeting her as a cloakroom girl at the Cavern in Liverpool to seeing her many times since, she always had a fun-loving dignity that made her a great pleasure to be around. She had a fine, distinctive voice and was always a bit of a laugh. It was a privilege to know her and to love her. Um, Ringo also made a quote. You want to read it? Yeah, I'll read the Ringo. I have another one, too. Uh, I just heard the news. Ringo said, I just heard the news. Scylla Black has left us. She was a good friend. We will all miss her. Peace to Scylla. Peace and love to the family. R&B XXX. And did you already read the Julian quote? Nope. No, I haven't seen that okay, one Okay, Julian said, devastated to wake up to the news that Scylla has passed. I knew her well with mom through the years. She was always fun, smart, and very witty. We danced a few nights away over the years on Caribbean holidays all together. I just hope they're up there now partying away and catching up on the good old times and the tears roll in between, in quotes, he said, uh, you will be missed, RIP. And then finally from jo- Giles Martin, Giles said, it's so sad to hear about the death of Scylla on behalf of my dad and the rest of my family, in parentheses, he said, she was my sister's godmom. We will all miss her and we hope that she's looking down at us all drinking champagne with her beloved Bobby. Right, her husband died in what 1999, I think, mm-hmm. and and he was her manager. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. we were talking um, a bit before we went on um, about Scylla's uh, relative fame in different parts of the world, and you know, for us, since we spend a lot of time looking into the Beatles world, we th- we think of her as being relatively famous, but. Um, as uh, some Al pointed out, I think the uh, New York Times has not yet had an obituary, and apart from running a, an AP uh, wire copy thing, and uh, you know, I, I wonder if in the U.S. for people who you know just regular listeners, I mean, I guess she she didn't have quite as many hits. Certainly, didn't have the TV presence that she had in Britain. Yeah, for I think particularly the more casual. Beatle fan, especially the younger Beatle fans, I have a feeling that a lot of them probably have no idea who Scylla Black was mm-hmm. because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she really did not have much of a uh, much of a profile here in America. Uh, she certainly was not able to promote the, um, you know, the Lennon McCartney songs that she did uh, record 
on tour in America the way Peter and Gordon did because she didn't like to travel. And, uh, and so she really never toured here. She did appear on the Ed Sullivan show, um, the, the same show in which the Beatles made their last live appearance in, um, in, in 1965, but that's a year and a half after, you know, after the British invasion began. So it was, you know, well after, you know, she had even her one minor hit here. But in England, for instance, uh, I mean, every, as Steve knows, every media outlet had coverage of Scylla's passing uh, within minutes after after the news broke. In fact, Steve had an interesting note. Uh, and again, this is something that we would be totally ignorant of here, uh, that, that there was some controversy uh, because of the fact that at one point or another, Scylla had aligned herself or had a friendship with uh, Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. which, you know, here would be roughly the equivalent of being an acolyte of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, and so there were uh, Steve. I think you know you can probably fill in the blanks on that. Uh, there were there were a couple of comments in. Well, my my uh, my friend Donna Jackson, who yes, who, uh, uh, lives in Liverpool and mm-hmm. keeps me keeps uh, 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 sends me a lot of information about what's going on over there. Told me that that was a big sticking point for them and i i have to admit until you just said the ronald reagan thing that it was hard for me to understand exactly what the problem was but but that would but uh, because she didn't she didn't explain that and but that would make perfect sense yeah you know that it was a political thing and but uh you know there uh that is kind of that is kind of weird but i mean there's no question that she was huge over there and she she did all those shows i mean and we're talking about a wide swath of she did quiz show uh, you know game shows she did variety shows she didn't have a top 100 song here in the states i'm looking at the the billboard listings in front of me and none of those singles including mm. it's for you well uh no you're my world did, no, did scrape into the top 30 right. no, you're, I, no i said top 100 but oh, i'm yeah. sorry you're right you're you know you're right you're right I, I had my glasses off. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're my world. That's what happens when I take my glasses off. Never do that. You're my world did go in the top 30. That it hit number 26, not even the top 25, you know. Yeah. And it's for you. It's for you. Is the, it, it, It's amazing because in 64, the Beatles were so hot and it's for you didn't uh, didn't even break the top 50. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's crazy. Um, they did. And I, and I actually found this through for those of you that have amazon prime music it's it's there um they remixed my my brain step inside, step inside love. love there we go oh step yes. inside love and and made a bunch of mixes out of it and i actually posted one on facebook last mm-hmm. night that was kind of a disco mix and i actually was listening to him while i was working out yesterday and actually they're not bad <laughs> but it's kind of funny that they actually did that with those you know in 2002 but um, there are several. I mean, the one thing that Scylla did do is issue compilation after compilation after compilation over the past few years. There's a, a bundle of them out there. Uh-huh. Um, the the one that probably is the one that uh, well, there's like there's two that probably would be of most interest to Beatle fans. The one is um, 
uh, Scylla, the Ab- Abbey Road dip- decade that has um, her complete her all her singles. Even bigger though is completely Scylla, which has all her work with George Martin, and that's six discs, including mm. a Region Zero DVD. And the the Abbey Road decade was the first place where they issued um, the alternate take of Step Inside Love, which also had a an alternate or an Italian version. The one version though that really kind of got everybody's attention, and somebody posted on Facebook yesterday, is the one with Paul McCartney on it on acoustic guitar, humming mm-hmm. humming with her. That's I think there's that video comes. of that too, isn't there? No, not th- I think the video. I I if there is, I didn't see it. I didn't because I have the, I have the CD. But yeah, I think those are probably just made up. You know. Uh, Sil- there could be silent footage with the record dubbed onto it or something. Like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I, I don't think those are official videos, but uh, there are pictures. There's there is there is a picture of McCartney playing acoustic guitar with her in the studio. That's fr- in the CD and it's also on the video. So and there's actually there there is a bootleg that exists with a lot of takes of Step Inside oh, Love right. of them right. working right. on that's it. That's right. With, yeah, I... with Paul there on mm-hmm. the session. Yeah, I, I believe that the bootleg though is really pretty boring. I mean, it's not. He doesn't figure very much into the. He figures more into that alternate take on the guitar mm. than he does in the session, as I recall. I haven't heard that that bootleg in a long, long time, but I'm familiar mm. with it. But yeah, but I mean, the thing about Silo that was really kind of, I guess, noteworthy was she started out as a pop singer, as, as in, you know, uh, '60s pop, and she moved on to ballads and i mean ballads in a big big way and in fact there was one story i saw yesterday where she really ticked off dion warwick for doing it because she did anyone who has a heart right um, and um again because she also it made her a big it was a big hit so and and also uh i guess uh burt backrack liked her work too because for sure he, he supervised the record his uh, the recording of alfie that she did right mm-hmm. at, Mm-hmm. So uh, there's there's a whole lot of things you can say, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, Brian Epstein kind of groomed her to be more than just simply, you know, another pop singer, you know, a pop or rock singer. You know, mm-hmm. he really groomed her to be a, you know, an all-round entertainer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which was obviously not the case with any of his other acts. And uh, and in fact, in fact, uh, you uh, you made mention of this yesterday that one of the last uh, acts he uh, accomplished uh, before his death was the securing of uh, of Scylla's first TV series, which mm-hmm. Step Inside Love was the theme for. Right. Mm-hmm. And, right. Uh, you know, and 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 from there she went on to a couple of other variety series and then that long, long run of um you know i guess you know quiz shows and chat shows where she had very long runs as you know as the host yeah it's funny to think of her as a quiz show host that almost wants to make you you know something to make you uh grit well, your teeth well go, apparently ah. it's even it, it i never saw blind date but apparently it was very similar to and I'm forgetting the name now. The the ho- the the show that Chuck Woolery hosted in America, Love Connection. Love Connection, exactly. Same type of thing. So she wasn't really that kind of 
you know, unctuous, uh, you know, game show host. She was, it was more of a conversational thing that she would I have. think there, I think when I was looking, when I was looking around yesterday on Amazon UK, there's DVDs of her shows. If you have a region free player that'll do that, uh-huh. if you're interested, you could pick some of those up. I'm not sure that, uh, obviously the ones to get would be the music ones, you know, um, the the variety show ones, right? That Ringo Ringo was on. Yeah, I was going was, to say they did a duet. Early. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a, there was a, I didn't really write. You know, I had all the information. There was there was just so much to write about her. It's it's really kind of amazing, you know. Um, but uh, and the Beatle connections are far greater than most people sure. realize. Right. Yeah. Because. Um, I, I had forgotten that uh, originally George Harrison wrote The Light That Has Lighted the World for her, as well as the song that became I'll Still Love You, which Ringo recorded mm-hmm. when it was called When Every Song is yeah. Sung. And then I also happened to look, and I must admit, this is Wikipedia we're talking uh-huh. about, so I don't know if it's completely <laughs> right. accurate. But it actually said there, and maybe you guys might know more about this, but it says that Photograph was originally written with her in mind. Mm-hmm. And then Ringo decided to record it himself. I never heard that no, before. But if you guys know, or maybe any of our listeners know, they can write to us. Boy, about that would it. Be, that would have but, been uh, that would have been interesting. Um, yeah, and yet, um, and yet here in America, she never appeared on any of the the big variety shows or even the, you know, the rock. You know the rock shows of uh, you know of of the mid sixty like Shindig or Hullabaloo, even though Brian hosted a segment on Hullabaloo during its first couple of months, but she never appeared on any of those shows. Again, she did make that one appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show, and I think that's the only kind of variety show appearance she ever made in America. Are we are we sure she never did the 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 uh, Brian Epstein segments because those were done in England. Yeah, but those were but the, the, there were so few of them that actually aired. There were only four or five of them, and uh, you know, see, uh, it's easy to find out who was on each one. Uh, in fact, I think they're probably all on YouTube, but also you can go to TV.com and find True. out. The, you know, and I, I I know she wasn't on any of those. Hmm. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Something you just said hmm. there, Al, about how Brian tried to mold her into being more than just a pop right. singer. And um, I know that I've talked about the song It's For You here on the show, but to me, that particular song has is very, very theatrical mm-hmm. yeah. to me. It's kind of very, it fits the Broadway very style. So. And to me, it, it sort of has Paul all over it. That's, yeah. that's got like, I can hear him writing that more so than John. Yeah. And Step Inside Love is very jazzy, yeah, right. you know, so I mean, Listen to the way the Beatles did it in the White Album sessions that's on the Beatles sure. anthology. And that's sometimes I think when Paul works for other people or writes for other people, it gives him more of a, an excuse to experiment a little sure. bit more and do something that people might think is out of character for him. So I never heard Paul talk about it. I never heard him talk about those mm. songs. But um, that's kind of interesting, you know, based on what you were saying about what Brian wanted to do with yeah. Yeah, because Step Inside Love has kind of a bossa nova kind of yeah. feel to it, especially in that, uh, mm. that outtake. Um, but it was definitely more of a uh, – she, she definitely was really kind of his, his project in kind of you know, molding her into 
a representative of the kind of entertainment that he was really more comfortable with rather right. than the that rather than the you know the rock groups mm-hmm. hmm. i think there's you know one thing that, that obviously nothing really good comes out of someone dying but uh, sure. you know the thing is that it, it often focuses with artists it often focuses people on their work that they haven't heard in a while or in the case of perhaps some of the listeners out there um, particularly in the US who never really focused on her at all it's mm-hmm. it's sort of a good opportunity to just sort of look back and see you know what it, what it was and and uh, and I think you know maybe maybe some of the discussion we've had will point people in the right direction the records that Steve mentioned for instance and uh Certainly, the the titles. I mean, all these things can be found on YouTube. All of her sure. hits, so uh, definitely worth listening to. I mean, she had a really nice voice, and she had a really good way of delivering a song. So, I wanted to ask all of you if you're familiar with with her work. Was she? I always remember hearing it, it being said she was kind of like the Dionne Warwick of the UK. I don't really know if that's an accurate description, but ever since her passing, I'm looking on Facebook and people are comparing her to, say, Dusty Springfield or Petula Clark or Lulu or one of those singers. How would you how would you describe her in comparison to those well, singers? Well, the Dionne Warwick comparison is obvious because of the fact that, you know, her two of her biggest hits in England were covers, in effect, of hits that Dion had uh, here in the U.S., uh, Anyone Who Had a Heart and, and Alfie. Mm. I guess she would probably be cl- of the, you know, the the uh, the English singers you mentioned, she would probably be closer to Peck Clark than, right. than the I others so too, because yeah. they were both kind of very sort of pop, you know, pop-oriented. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. Lulu and Dusty Springfield were a bit more gritty. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. Although, although mm. okay. Dusty did get a little, uh, did uh, kind of smooth out near the, uh, in the, in her later years. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe it's, it might be for that reason that, you know, she got somewhat ignored over here, but uh which is really a shame because uh, some of those early records were really, really good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that and, that that Abbey Road uh, decade uh, compilation is is great because in fact there's a, there are a number of really nice covers of Lennon McCartney songs, mm-hmm. you know, that the Beatles themselves recorded uh, that that are on there. Uh, thing, uh, she did a gorgeous in my life. You know, uh, yesterday, even though by the time she recorded it, everybody in the world had already recorded it. She did a very nice version of that. And and even some things that, you know, you really wouldn't think of, you know, a kind of a pop middle of the road artist uh, recording. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's definitely worth uh, worth seeking out. Right. And she and of course, I think you, you guys probably mentioned this before I came on online but she did one of the earliest Beatle covers with love of the loved so, right and that, that was one of her uh, that was her uh, debut actually uh mm-hmm. so but she well that was given to her right but she that was given to she her. also did a lot of other uh, she did bgs mm-hmm. i mean she covered she covered just about she covered a wide range of of stuff i'm sitting here looking at some of these titles uh a shot of rhythm and blues i mean shotgun the the junior walker song mm. i mean there were a lot there were a lot of things that she did um you know 
you know, a different approach to um, sort of getting to, to know her stuff, if you don't know it, um, may not be quite as in-depth. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of compilations out there of specifically British hits of the 60s. And you hear mm-hmm. her in the context of other people who had hits at yeah. the time. And another one that, you know, basically anyone listening to this show should probably look into anyway, if you can still get it. There was a six-disc set called Produced by George Martin. Yes. 50, 50 years in mm-hmm. recording. Yeah. And that has some of her tracks and mm-hmm. Beatles and everything else that George Martin did. And so there too, you know, you hear her in the context of her peers and, and uh, contemporaries. Um, and it's, you know, you don't get to hear all the deep cuts, of course. You just hear a few of the hits. But but it, it gives you some context. And um, that may be one way to look into it too. The full the full set of that is is pretty expensive because it's I think it's out of print. But there is a single disc compilation that is reasonable. I think it's like probably around ten dollars or so on Amazon. So anybody you know there are I think there's a there's another George Martin compilation that's actually a little cheaper that was not put together by EMI um, that's worth looking into also. So. Mm-hmm. It's also should be noted that she was the only female artist that Brian managed. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, and it was through John Lennon. It was John who recommended Scylla for, uh, you know, to have a recording career and to manage her. And um, apparently there was an audition that she made with the Beatles backing her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, she said. I was surprised to read that, actually. That, uh, that was uh, really interesting. Yes. She did um, George Gershwin's Summertime, uh-huh. and uh, she was really nervous, and she said she was awful. And um, she did the song, but she didn't discuss with the band to do it in her key. <laughs> and the Beatles were used to doing it in their own key, and it just didn't work out. And uh, she didn't pass the audition the first time. Right. It was only later on. Right. Did you see, this? So, did you see uh, the story about her doing Fever with R- Rory Storm? She apparently, one of her first, possibly her very first stage appearance was, she did Fever with Rory Storm, and Ringo was on drums, and she requested to do Boys, which of course was Ringo's featured song, and they decided to do it as a duet. This is according to, this is according to Bill Harry's uh, Beatles Encyclopedia. They decided to do it as a duet, but Ringo would not move the mic. So she had to bend over his drum kit to sing it as a duet with him. <laughs> so, yeah. For those for those of you who have seen the um, music of Lennon and McCartney TV special, British TV special that was done uh, late in '65, Scylla uh, appeared on that and lip synced "It's for You." But the the funniest part is when I guess it's Paul introduces her. And says, I'm paraphrasing something to the effect of uh, no show will be complete without without thingy. (laughs) And (laughs) and she and John completely crack up. And Paul is sitting there with this sort of, you know, cat ate the canary, you know, what did I do? Uh, Expression Hmm. on his face. Uh, Ah, those were the days. Yes, indeed. Yes. Also, just based on Steve's article, well, one of his articles, he mentioned some of the other songs that Scylla covered, and she not only covered uh, Yesterday and For No One, and you just mentioned yes. In My Life, Al, uh, but also Across the yeah. Universe, The Long and Winding Road, she did a couple of solo songs, she did 
uh, John Lennon's mm-hmm. Oh My Love. And she did Paul McCartney's Junk. And she also covered Bad Fingers Without yeah. You. So uh, there could be a tape of Cambridge 69 somewhere from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she also, she, also, this is, she also did a Randy Newman song, uh, I've Been Wrong Before. I, I got to put, put in a plug there for Randy Newman. Sure. So. Okay. So um, we were then going to, we had uh, some other topics we wanted to touch upon this week as well. Uh, one thing that came up a few weeks ago when we were talking about uh, Paul McCartney's, uh, was it Esquire interview? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. someone asked him uh, if there will ever be another Beatles and he responded. And uh, that's a, an idea that that has been kicked around a little bit since then and Richard Fetter of Fort Lee, New Jersey <laughs> wrote <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, so Richard Fetter of Fort Lee, New Jersey didn't write to us and ask, but uh but we wanted to sort of uh, explore that a little bit more and uh it's because it's an interesting question, you know, beyond the business of, you know, will there ever be another Beatles because they're the Beatles? I mean, just sociologically, um, it's it's actually sort of an interesting topic because we live in a completely different universe than the universe that, that prevailed when the Beatles came around. So even, I mean, from my point of view, even if there was a group that musically was as interesting as the Beatles, and I, I'm not sure I've heard one yet, I, I think that the world is such that that kind of of uh, global sort of unity of focus on one group um, just really isn't going to happen again. But we should go around and uh, discuss that. So let's start with Al. Well, you know, the probably the the piece of ammunition that would be most um, supportive of Paul's of Paul's case is the fact that we were talking in the 1965 show about the fact that that the Beatles were absolutely that was the last year when they were absolutely universally the biggest pop act in the world and although they were you know they continued to be huge superstars for the rest of their time as a group and beyond they never were as universally beloved as they were in 1965 and the the thing is that in the 50 years since then despite how big Elton John was in the 70s uh, despite how big Michael Jackson was and Bruce Springsteen were in the 80s despite how big Peter Frampton was after Frampton Comes Alive and the Bee Gees were in the, the Saturday Night Fever era and I think even after say Garth Brooks, you know, he was pretty big in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. In the nineties, there has not been one act that has even approached the kind of universal popularity and uh, and success that the Beatles had. So, and so that that begs the question: Why? Right. I mean, from my point of view, the why is because of the fragmentation of of media, uh, and you know, obviously, when we when we were kids and the Beatles were coming up, there were different kinds of music stations, and exactly. you know, but now there are a gazillion different kinds of music stations. I mean, it's and and it's uh, satellite and it's radio and it's internet and it's you name it, and everyone has a somewhat different focus. And I, I think that, you know, 
here's my theory. <laughs> there <laughs> were some pre-Beatles Beatles, specifically Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley. Exactly. If you look at that period from Frank Sinatra to the Beatles, the three big acts that got the kind of mania going and, you know, and, and just were the biggest thing in their day – Look beyond that going backwards. You know, you have in the, in the classical music world, um, like the violinist Paganini in the early mm -hmm. 19th century was, you know, people went wild for him. He, he, but, Enrico, you know, Car Enrico Caruso. And Caruso. And yeah, and other opera singers, too, and, and other instrumentalists. But they lived in an age before mass media. From, from Sinatra to the Beatles, you had the beginning of the age of mass media. And after the Beatles, you had the fragmentation of mass media. And you, uh, also, you probably mm. have to throw Bing Crosby in there as well. Right. Because yeah. uh, yes. in the 30s. And, sure. uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And plus also another... You know, another facet of it is the fact that now people, families, a family unit doesn't at eight o'clock on a Sunday night, they don't sit down together and watch a variety show on television. They're all right. doing different things. Right. So I, you I don't have. Yeah. So you don't have uh, a situation where 73 million people would watch one entertainment show. Right. It just doesn't happen. I mean, the American Idol, uh, when they, when that show was at its height, they were bragging about the fact that on their, you know, their the end of season show, they would get thirty five million viewers, mm -hmm. which is you know I, about half of that, and right. they wouldn't. And now, you know, no show would would get even that because everything has become so fragmented. So it would be impossible for any act to get the kind of exposure that the Beatles got at the, at the very beginning and right. also to have the, the kind of mass appeal that the Beatles had. Mm -hmm. I, I think, mm -hmm. I think there's a, a different way you have to look at it, Alan. I'm going to slightly disagree with you. Mm -hmm. I think if you've got a couple of things working now that you didn't have in 64. One is social media mm -hmm. and, we really, I don't think, have really seen the full force of social media yet. I mean, granted, you you see it now. You see people like Justin Bieber getting headlines for almost everything they do. Right, and, but nobody, but, you know, the the vast majority of at least music consumers couldn't care less about, about Justin Bieber. You know, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just saying there are and, and social media, you, you really over overrate social media. It does not have, you know, I mean, fine, but teenagers or people in their 20s, uh, you know, maybe. But no act would be able to, you know, there, there wouldn't be able to be a campaign run no. on just via social media that would break a group on that level there's, I, I, there's absolutely I, I, no way i agree with you but uh, here's the situation here's the way i see it we really have not seen a group take social media uh in full force really really explode i mean you like i said we've seen bieber we've seen you know uh one direction you've seen those kind of things and we just had one direction come through town here and right, there was, but, those are there was but no, but but it's more than that too. I mean, the, on the other side of the coin, nobody has had the social impact that the Beatles had. 
there's I think that is the difference. You need you need a, a real uh, cultural impact, and nobody's had that yet. But it, it's very possible that somewhere down the road, you know, and I and I when we started talking about this, I'm going no way, no way. But it's depending on the cultural impact, something could. You know, maybe after we're all all dead and gone, something could happen. You know, I mean, uh, but I I think the the Beatles the Beatles have done an, an incredible job of keeping their brand alive, mm-hmm. and oh, sure. and that's that's yes. the thing that that's the thing that really counts here. You know, nobody has the has the brand the Beatles have. Even even Bieber doesn't. One well, certainly not. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think you're I think you're discounting one aspect of social media that mm. also works against this, which is that social media, okay, the image of the Beatles that was presented to us when they were coming up was very, very carefully guarded and manipulated mm-hmm. to a degree. Right. And if the Beatles happened to egg their neighbors' houses, we wouldn't know about it. But with social media, Justin Bieber, every time he, you know, uh, he does Farts. something. It, it, yeah. every, it's uh, you know, it's on social media. There's yeah, a very negative aspect of right. social media that that That's that true. makes it um, impossible for someone to be, you know, someone who maybe you might want to look up to as a, a great musician or something. I, I, Not I, that I'm saying I, Justin Bieber's. I, yeah. I yeah. agree with that. I agree with yeah. I agree with that. I'm just saying there may be something you know that happens down the line that that we can't see or we can't predict right that may well, throw, throw all that into you know except into, that I, the, the whole facebook twitter thing has already peaked and mm-hmm. i mean i can tell just from you know the just from the sort of the the traffic uh of the people that uh, that i follow you know a lot of them just you know there's there's not as much activity now on those social media sites for people that are not teenagers or twenty somethings as there uh as there was a year or two years ago, so that you know all of that is and and a lot of those young people have moved on to Instagram or whatever you know whatever the you know the 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 social media du jour of the moment is going to be so it's you know it's it doesn't have. I, I, you really over overrate the impact that social media has. It really, you know, and and there's no way that social media could create something like the Beatles. I don't think you can say that absolutely. I, I much as I agree with, I agree that I can't foresee anything right now. But I don't think. Uh, but that's not to say something's not going to happen in the future. Because there's so much out there, so many, you know, the, the, oh, I, it's hard to, it's hard to, I mean, the, the whole network of, uh, of, of the entertainment business, it's, it's really hard to say what's going to happen but down the line. The thing is that there's so many different kinds of music that are out there now. There's no act that would be able to, uh, would be able to cross over into all of those little genres and have the kind of mass appeal that the Beatles had. There's, there's absolutely no way. And then they, and they certainly wouldn't get uh, the exposure on, you know, terrestrial radio or, or internet radio or satellite radio or whatever that the kind of, again, crossover, 
you know, over the top coverage that the Beatles got when the, when they that's, finally that, broke here. That's true, but we don't know what kind of media will be coming down the pike either. There could be something else coming down the pike that we don't even except that, that everything even... has been splintered so much that mm-hmm. you know again seventy three yeah. million people, which was you know nearly half of the population right. of the country in February of sixty four at least of the population of the country that had televisions in February of sixty four mm-hmm. watched the Beatles live on the Ed Sullivan show, yeah. You know, the biggest, the highest rated shows right. now don't have a fraction of that kind of viewership. Could Please. I chime in? Go ahead, Ken. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was First wondering all, where I you just were. Want to <laughs> no, I mean, I'm really just, I'm enjoying this so much because this sounds like a typical conversation I have with radio <laughs> friends. But um, to me, there's two separate issues you have to look into here. There's record sales and there's impact. Mm. And when it comes to record sales... I think that it's very, I don't want to say easy, but I think it's very likely that you're going to have acts that surpass the sales of the Beatles. Not anymore. Mainly because of, uh, I think so, because of the fact that it's so easy to buy music now. You don't need to go to a record store. You can just download music, you know, on your desktop or on your on your iPhone or your mobile device. It's so much more accessible. Yes, but it's, it's and, even easier uh, to steal it and people aren't buying it. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's another it's another reason I think that it's not going to happen because, you know, the Beatles for all of the 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 sociological impact and the, you know, atmospheric fun that that era was were fundamentally a music group. And what made them so big was that they were breaking sales records all the time. Nobody is actually selling records now. Right. Um, And not only that, but also you've got this whole new phenomenon of streaming sites where right. even whether you pay for a subscription or not, you can go on to Spotify or Pandora, you know, or Rhapsody or, you know, whatever, and just listen to, you know, a new album that you want to hear. And, you know, they, uh, uh, and totally legally. You yeah, know. Younger, younger listeners now don't have that sense of, I have to have exactly. that in my collection exactly. the way we did. Right. You know, and so basically mm-hmm. the only people making money are people in, in music. I mean, it used to be that you, you were like our age or the Beatles age and you'd learn an instrument and you'd learn to write songs and you'd perfect all that so that you mm-hmm. could make a record and sell a record and make your living selling records. And you would go on tour to promote the record and people would see you and then they, if they hadn't already bought the record, they'd buy it. Um, now you're going on tour um, – with no hope of selling the record, you're you're putting out some mm-hmm. records so that people hear you on Spotify and maybe come to the concert. Yeah. And for most people, you know, if you're not the Rolling Stones charging 900 bucks a ticket, which is also <laughs> something very different from the yes. Beatles days, yes. um, basically you're not even really making money from ticket sales. You're making money from T-shirt sales. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the merch. So basically what it is now is you have trained yourself as a musician to write a song, make a record, to get people to buy a concert ticket so that they will buy a T-shirt. A t-shirt. It's all about the schmata. Mm. We are now in the rag trade. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the new word for you to learn, folks. Schmata. 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 <laughs> With each program, we're going to introduce to you a, a new word. Right. Uh, but um, education. Uh, I, I, 
I agree with so much of what all of you are saying, but at the same time, I'm always reading about how music sales are healthy. Mm. So, you know, whether it's, it's disingenuous or not, I also think that there's the issue of, of impact. And I do agree somewhat with what Steve was saying, only in the sense that we have no idea what the internet is capable of doing. We're still in its infancy stages. I mean, we really have no, I was just thinking, and this is something that, you know, I've actually had this on my mind for quite a while. Why can't there ever be, back in the 80s, MTV was the biggest thing. (laughs) It was the way to promote music. The video became the art form, and some people hated that for that reason, because the music should matter more than the video. But that was the primary way that, that new artists got exposure and even veteran artists got exposure to on, on MTV. There could be some kind of channel that could be on the internet worldwide that could have some kind of impact, maybe be the MTV of, of today, although there's always the language barrier problem. But if you had something like that where a lot of young people are tuned in, and again, we're not talking about local or just the United States. We're talking about worldwide. If you had some new artist that was really promoted around the world and more people could see it on the Internet with their little iPhone or smartphone or whatever, you know, they could end up being bigger in popularity than what the Beatles were. Now, you might disagree with this, and I'm not saying the band would be better. I'm just saying that the exposure is the most important thing. But... You know, without exposure, without exposure, we wouldn't even be talking about actually, the Beatles. You, That's the you've whole. Got, you've already yeah. got that kind of exposure, because all YouTube. you have, all you have to do is go onto YouTube, go onto Spotify, you know, and you know, you go go onto Spotify and hear, hear, uh, you know, an act. You know, you might be curious about a certain act, and you can listen to as many songs by them if you want, as you want, for. I, Totally and that's also true. But I'm also thinking, I'm not just thinking about videos. I'm thinking of whatever new way to, to present new artists. You know, MTV wasn't just playing videos. It was also interviewing artists of the time and learning about them. You know, if there is some kind of new vehicle, and I don't even know what that might be. But I'm just saying the mere fact that the right. Internet is worldwide gives it so much more power than even MTV United States. You know, if there was something like that where young people could unite, and that's the key word here, that's the one thing that's missing in this whole thing. You were talking about, and I've said this a million times, the Ed Sullivan Show, 73 million people. 73 million people watching at the same time. Where are you going to get that today? You won't even get that the closest is maybe the Super Bowl or something like that. But in order to break a new artist, you got to have a large audience and people have to care. And also we're living at a time when live programming doesn't matter as much as it once did. And that also plays yeah. a big part. It's something that I that I really don't like about, you know, uh, the media today. More people are, are so used to the fact that they'll just DVR mm-hmm. something or they'll listen to an archive program, a radio program later on than catching it as it's happening. The whole mm-hmm. idea of doing something live has been lost, you know, and I really miss that. So, you know, you need something like that for for people in the world to be united. And if things continue as they have, and it's very possible that that it will, that everything is so splintered and so specialized Mm -hmm. and every every radio station 
whether it's a terrestrial radio station or satellite radio or HD radio or internet radio is so splintered and you've got smaller and smaller pockets out there listening to different channels, you're not going to have that kind of unity, you know, for a new artist that's out there. It's, it's tougher to do it that way. So I think that's like you guys have said, you know, that's part of the reason why it's so hard to have that thing called impact. You need millions of people at the same time being impacted, being affected by something. Mm -hmm. And you just don't have that. You can have record sales, but impact is a completely different idea altogether. And um, I think it's really sad in a way that we don't have something like the Ed Sullivan Show. Or, you know, in those days, you only had the three major networks and a few mm -hmm. local channels. So you had less of a selection. You had bigger yep. audiences. Same thing with radio. Same thing with television and cable vision. And there's so many channels, like you said, Alan, a gazillion of them. You know, you've got smaller and smaller audiences. And that's part of the problem. And it's funny that you mentioned Garth Brooks, because every time I have this conversation with people, I always bring up Garth Brooks because I remember him making a statement saying that he was the biggest in sales next to the Beatles. But think about it. How many people outside of those that listen to country music exactly. know Garth Brooks's music? Exactly. Um, so uh, do you know who's do you know who's um, star Hollywood star is closest to the front door at Capitol Records in Los Angeles? It's none of the Beatles. It's Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is, is okay. right at the right next to right at the door. Yeah. So. Okay, but I'm just saying, making a statement about impact and whether or not Al was talking about the cross appeal, mm -hmm. the mass appeal of the Beatles on so yeah. many levels. With Garth Brooks, it's specialized. It's country music. If you follow country music, there's a good chance you know his songs and you may have bought many of his of his records. Mm. But outside of that of that genre, a lot of people, most people, don't really know his music. I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying that's. That's the perfect example right there of an artist who sold a ton of records, but it's so specialized that people outside of his genre don't really know his music. Exactly. Well. I mean, I'll, I think I'll, 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 I'll put him down because I I'm some somewhat of a fan of country and I don't have a single Garth Brooks record in my collection. Okay, well that's you. I do, not, I do not like him. Um, for one, the the one uh, I I do resent the fact that that he has the closest spot to the Capitol Records entrance rather than than uh, the Beatles. But I mean, I just he he seems he he's what I would call more showbiz uh, country than traditional country. I mean, I I'm one of those people that like you know I love Hank Williams, you know George Jones. That I, I'm a traditionalist very much so. So, but yeah, I mean, I. I know I'm not going to deny he hasn't had a lot of impact. In fact, if you recall, uh, back uh, I think it was about ten ten years ago or so, he was trying to s stop used records from being right. sold. Uh -huh. So I mean, he's hmm. basically he's he's Mr. Money as far as that situation goes. I mean, and, that's his. And even even as big as Garth was in the mm -hmm. '90s, you know. Uh, especially once he, you know, once he kind of took himself off the road, you know, now he can barely get get arrested on country radio, and even and then country radio is the biggest, you know, it, not so much in New York, but uh, the rest of the country. There's, I think, there are still more country uh, country stations than any other format, any other pop music format, and 
Garth Brooks couldn't get arrested on country radio now as big as huge as he was. So that's that's why again, you know, I just don't think there's any and he, you know, really did not cross over that much into other genres. No, he did not. He he did. And uh and you know, so that again, you know, kind of makes the point that there's just it, it's it's nearly impossible for an act to to have that kind of absolute all-consuming crossover appeal, and and when you think about it, the the biggest selling artists have had crossover appeal. Sure, I mean Michael Jackson is one right. of those people. Those are the ones that and and they were looking for that. They were looking like when Michael Jackson tried to get beat it on album sure. rock stations to give him credibility you know he got played there he got played on pop radio top, you know top 40 radio r&b radio same thing with the beatles i mean with the beatles after they broke up they got played on what became progressive rock and classic rock stations they got played on adult contemporary stations they got played on adult standard right. stations they're played uh, on muzak stations they're played kind of everywhere yeah. in that regard you're not going to find that with most artists. I mean, the ones that you will are the rare exceptions. Yeah. And you, know. you also had a so. you also had a lot of people across different genres recording Beatles songs, including Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops. Exactly. You know, so everybody, yeah. everybody was, you know, that's a that's another big thing. I mean, you you really haven't seen you've seen some people, for example, recording Michael Jackson, but not they they, they I mean, you haven't seen say, Tony Bennett trying to sing Michael Jackson. So, you know, it's that kind of situation, uh, too. You know, I mean, if the songs are adaptable and everybody can do them, you know, they get they get covered. If not, they don't, you know, so. That's very true. And in some ways, as much as I never liked uh, uh, American Idol, uh, you know, when, when you have a show that's devoted to the Beatles and young kids singing Beatles songs, that's reaching you know, a young audience of people who who like that show. Mm-hmm. And so the mere fact that, that the Beatles music, like you said, is, is covered by so many different types of artists, it's hard to find any, you know, real legendary singer out there who hasn't covered a Beatles song somewhere along the line or, or a solo Beatles song. So, uh, you know, that's that's really important. But, uh, and that keeps the music alive beyond the Beatles' own sure, recordings. right. And, and but on, but on the other hand, American Idol really didn't. The American Idol Beatles stuff didn't really have the impact that a lot of people were saying. Oh no, I you know I I've always said that the the only way to make uh the, to make Beatles music sound boring is to put it in the hands of the contestants on American Idol <laughs> because of or the glee. because or glee. Of, of the uh, well, I don't, you know, Glee, and I never saw enough to make a judgment. But certainly in the case of American Idol, where they, you know, where they mandate a particular form of milk toasty, you know, blah, uh, <laughs> present musical presentation, um, those 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 Beatles tribute shows were, uh, were oh like yeah, oh, torture, God. absolute torture. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, but even still, it's it's introducing the name yeah. Beatles to a lot of young sure. people who might not oh, otherwise sure. and be even thinking and, about and them. And again, so. you know, when you mention sales and things like that, uh, again, you know, 
what's the what's the biggest selling album of this century so far? One. One. Absolutely. <laughs> you never know from decade to decade if there's going to be some Beatles release that will end up being yeah. huge. So kind of like in the 90s, we had the Beatles anthology, and we had three double yeah. CDs there that right. did very well. Not to mention the when it was video right. cassettes, and then later right. the DVD. That yeah. was huge. Live at the BBC did really well, too. And then in the last decade, you had one. So who's to say there won't be something coming soon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that could do well, really every time, well. You know? Every time one has been released in some new form, whether it was, um, you know, whether it was, you know, when they released for for downloads on on iTunes, immediately the sales would spike, and it's and it's the only album of the first fifteen years of this new century that is really competitive with it is the Adele album Twenty One. You know, yeah. even you know, no Jay Z, no Taylor Swift. Uh, you know, no Eminem, you know, that's... And that's just, that's so it extraordinary. Is. It really is. It's like the Beatles defy all yeah, logic. It's not, it's not like, uh, you know, it only matters when the music came out. The, it doesn't matter whether it's 30 years ago, 40 years ago, or 50 years ago. Something will come along that will, that will sell extremely the well. the exception to every rule, at least musically. Yeah. Well, and also part of it is because... Anytime one of the things comes out on any format, those of us who collect it have to buy every available new yes. format. And that is why Apple should be paying our health insurance. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because when we're yes. gone, that's it. Party's over. <laughs> mm -hmm. I agree. Well, guys, this was a fascinating chat about a number of things, and um, it's time to go for this week. Uh, so uh, oh, sh we should say how to get in touch with us. Um, Ken, can you give the email address? Yeah, our email address is thingsweesaidtodayradioshow at gmail.com. Don't forget we also have a Facebook page for Things We Said Today. We have a Twitter page, which is what, Steve? Things We Said Fab, so with the at sign in front of it. So you can send us a note. Okay. Okay. So feel free to write us. Write us with questions. Write us with topics you'd like us to look at. If you actually are Richard Fader from Fort Lee, New Jersey, write to us anyway. And um, and you can get in touch with basically each of us on our Facebook pages. Uh, mine is Alan Cozen or Alan Cozen Remixed. Steve? Uh, Steve Marinucci, Beatles Examiner. Uh, I'm, I'm all over the place. Um, let me mention one quick thing before you go on. Uh, somebody was telling me that Netflix has um, the movie. Living is easy with eyes. Uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. Thank you. Um, and I have not seen it. I saw part of it, but it it's there on Netflix. Kind of, It kind of came in quietly. Um, it's about John Lennon in Spain. So there's a tip for anybody. Anyway, my email address is BeatlesExaminer at gmail.com. Ken and yours? And my email is everylittlething at att.net. And also, please check out my website, which is kenmichaelsradio.com. Can I mention one more thing? Because there's one thing I'd really like to mm -hmm. plug here. I do a, a live version of Every Little Thing, which is on a uh, station in Connecticut, WNHU. And sometimes 
what I will do is um, send the last hour of my show, which has a theme to it, to the website Global Texan Chronicles, and then they run it for a whole week. And I've done two recent specials on Ringo, for, one for his birthday, which was a two-hour show, and one on Ringo, which I called the Ringo Star Album Sampler. And I played 18 songs in a row, one song from every studio album from Ringo in chronological order, from Sentimental Journey to Postcards from Paradise. And we've gotten a terrific response on the website. So if you want to listen to it, you can stream it anytime. It's at globaltexanchronicles.com. Two different Ringo Star specials, which were originally on WNHU, and now it's on that website. Okay. So there you go. Okay. And Mr. Sussman? Uh, you can reach me at um, Al Sussman on, on Facebook uh, or through Twitter uh, at asus49. Okay, and you might as well mention your book since oh, everyone yeah. else. Oh, uh, yeah, or through www.paradingpress.com. Uh, if you want to get a copy of Changing Times, 101 uh, Days That Shaped the Generation, or you can pick it up next weekend when this airs, uh, next weekend at the Chicago Fest for Beatles fans, August 14th, 15th, and 16th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Okay, and since we are shamelessly promoting, um, there is my book, The Beatles, From the Cavern to the Rooftop, published by Fiden Press in 1995, still in print, um, and the ebook. Um, Got That Something, How the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand Changed Everything, which you can get from Amazon.com. And can I add a plug, too? Sure, Steve. I just want to tell everybody about my ebook, Meet a Monkey, Davy Jones. It's very inexpensive, and it has my uh, two interviews with Davy Jones in it. Okay. So, for Things We Said Today, this is Alan Cozen, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.